This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome. Carm Capriato here. And join me each and every week for insights from my guest host and an industry first, a live virtual job tour, a take the automotive trivia challenge, unwrap your fortune of the week, and a whole lot more. The video version of this show is on aftermarketweekly.com. Fastest paced, most fun, interesting automotive aftermarket show doesn't exist anywhere in the world. You only get it right here. We have a guest host coming up. And also we have a virtual shop tour and you are being broadcast live from the Dorman OE Fix studio. Glad to have you all here joining us today. With me is Brian Kelly. Brian's been on the show before. Brian, nice to see you. Always a pleasure to see you, Carl. We are going to talk about hiring practices. We actually decided that we would get together again and do a a more full-length episode on hiring practices. So if you get teased by this, uh, stay tuned for more. We're also going to do a shop tour, open the fortune of the week, and we're going to Actually, we're going to Brian's facility. We're actually going to do the tour there. I mean, last week we did the same thing. We did a tour. Uh, My guest host also had the tour at his place. And we're going to do the same thing here. Valley Automotive in Covington, Washington. And uh, Emily Sundstrom is going to actually do that for us. Hey, today's trivia is which model of um, was one of Oldsmobile's most successful? This is really cool because... My wife owned one of those cars. I'm not sure you may know the answer, Brian, but uh, don't tell me if you think you know. Uh, check in with your city. Give us a like and or a comment. Uh, Mike Dela Cruz is with us. Uh, Mark Goldsmith is with us. Give us a share. Appreciate any questions you may have for Brian or anything you want to see about the, the shop tour later. I want to encourage you all to go back and listen to the Town Hall Academy 191 when my guest host, Brian Kelly, was on with with Seth Thorson and Bill Haas, and we talked about incentive plans. Let me tell you, a ton of great information. Brian, you actually were on fire in that episode. I I appreciate all your great wisdom for that one, but uh, that was highly listened to. And when people are struggling, he says, hey, you know, I need a wage plan. I need some ideas for an incentive plan. more than you'll ever possibly need the information that came out of that episode. Thanks, thanks for doing that with us. Oh, absolutely. You know, always um, we can talk about employees. That's yeah, yeah, I know. Honestly, yeah, you love to talk about people. This week, here's my soapbox thing. I'm on my soapbox this year to tell everyone: listen, let's stop talking about the shortage and the qualified techs. Brian, implement your own apprentice program. I mean, you know, besides Napa having one national one out there, Mike Davidson came on this show and uh, and he talked all about his that's been in play for 10 years now, five to be exact, but he's been working on it for 10 years. And this is a how-to episode. It's a long one. The slides that Michael had with him is available on the show notes page. You can download them. And here's exactly what happened. My great... Uh, you know, independent group here from Buffalo, New York. I actually brought these guys in. We did a Zoom meeting, and and I want my Buffalo group that that I'm a part of with them to 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 go to the next level and, and find you know do apprenticing. And so Mike and and Pete and Jake came on. And so I'm sorry I'm kind of hammering this so hard, but I'm telling you, every shop in North America needs to implement an apprentice program and start these young jur- students uh, in, into a great journeyman's program. Also this week, Women in Auto Care 2020 award winners, 
Daniel Sonnefeld, Kim Auernheimer, and Lauren Boyer were on, and we had a blast. I usually do this live at Apex, but we ended up doing it virtually. A lot of fun stuff in there. Hey, you know Dorman gives people greater freedom to fix vehicles by constantly developing new repair solutions that put owners and technicians first. Now, by always innovating, Dorman has led the way in growing the aftermarket. Now, here you'll see a few examples of a Dorman OE fix. An OE fix is a Dorman repair solution you can't get from the original equipment manufacturer. And it means they found a situation where they believe the OEM wasn't giving repair professionals what they wanted, so we fixed it. Everything Dorman does is centered around providing customer value, both in the quality of products and the creativity of solutions. Our engineers and designers, well, they go out of their way to save repair technicians time and save vehicle owners money. Hey, you want to really go under the hood? Take the Dorman virtual tour on the web at dormanproducts.com forward slash tour. You ready, Brian? Oh, I'm definitely ready. Let's jump in this hiring thing. I I know it's one of the most important things anyone can do in a company. Yeah, I have to agree. You know, and uh, a lot of as I thought about this today and and leading up, I I thought, gosh, where did where did some of this start? And for me, this this goes back you know over a decade. But it started with a conversation with my dentist, if you can believe that, and a dentist who was really having trouble hiring the right people for her her business. And, you know, her and I began to talk about it. And I I realized that in my automotive shop, we did things much differently than she did in her professional business. And as we began to talk more, I realized that, you know, hiring that wrong employee, what that, what that really costs your business. And the more I dove into it, um, and, and experience would tell you, you know, when you, when you take the warm body off the street, um, you, you never know what you're going to get, you know, and, and you might as well grab the dice, roll it out and say, is it a pair of sixes or did I get a three and a two? And, and where is that going to go? And, you know, so often when we hire people, we roll the dice. And my, my objective really was to stop that from happening. And, and I, I sat down and, you know, did my research. Brian, we, we roll the dice and is it because we're just too quick to hire or we don't do enough research? I, you know, I think, I think most people that I talk to, they, they roll the dice because they feel like a warm body is better than nobody. And, and I think that's in, in automotive and in, in business in general. If that's the mistake that's made, and and I, you know, I wish I could say this was just our industry, but you know, from spending my time in our chambers of commerce, spending my time talking to small business owners all over, um, I I think this is something that is just a small business problem, and maybe even a large business problem that we believe somebody is always better than nobody, and you know, until we can break that paradigm and that that thought pattern, um, you, we're always going to grab who we can and we're going to roll the dice with them. And, you know, that was my, my big push was to, to stop that. And, you know, and I'll, I'll go into a little bit of, of what we did, but, but the big things I always think about is inside your business, what is more important than the people who service your customers? And by servicing your customers, I mean the, the people who walk in your front door. And I also mean the employees that already work in that business, because, Really, anybody you hire is servicing the internal customer and the external customer. So you have to ask the first question, is this person people smart in the way that 
they can deal with internal employee, internal customers and external customers. You know, even if they're never going to see an external customer, the person who, who pays them or pays the business, um, you have to assume at some point there could be interaction. So to me, that people smart is just, it's an incredible quality. Um, and, and again, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about those, those qualities, but, uh, so to me, it really came down to what was more important than my employees. And at the end of the day, I don't think there's any asset the business holds that is more important than the employees because they, at the end of the day, they do it all. Um, so, so early on, you know, I, I looked at and I said, okay, well, what, what needs to be in this policy? And, and the very first thing that popped into my head was everybody who walks through that door just as when a external customer walks in to, to buy something from you. Not every customer is an ideal customer for your business. And just because somebody walks through that door and has a great resume, that doesn't make them an ideal employee for your business either. And, and, and so it became important to me to figure out how do I, how do I separate that and, and where do I go with it? And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to pay some, some credit here and, and give a, give a shout to a book called the ideal team player. And when I think about what opened my eyes and really caused me to, be, to develop a process, it was, it was reading that book. Um, and, and inside that book, they gave three, what I would call empirical data points. You know, you can just snap and they're, they're right there in front of you. And the three data points they gave you was humble, hungry, and smart. And, and smart meaning people smart. So, the big, the big challenge when you bring somebody in is how do I label what I want? Um, and, and I point everybody to this book because it labels them. Um, those may not be the perfect labels for you. albeit the minute I read them, the minute I understood them, they were the perfect labels for me. And, and that, that became the first, really the first data point in, in hiring, name the, name the areas that you're looking for, you know, name what qualities you look for that person. Um, and from there, really, it, it became a, how do I now do my due diligence to make sure those data points are what I want and create a plan around that. So that, that was really where we went. And within our process, um, so much of what we did became, how do I create the right app for that person? So now I know what I want. So let's tell them about our culture. And, and that, that became step one, you know, create that intermediate that that way of them looking at you and and create the right bait um you know i'd love to go salmon fishing love to go trout fishing and if i'm going to go and try and hook a big fish i have to know what bait to use and it's the same thing when i go out and try and find somebody to work for me if i don't if i don't use if i don't use the right bait i'm going to get a mud shark and those really don't do me any good so, so it, it became important. I'm sorry. I love this humble, hungry, and smart. Now, I have not read that book, The Ideal Team Player. We will put it up on the books page on the website. Hungry, humble, and smart. That yeah. is, those are three traits for a CEO, three traits for a service advisor, three traits for anyone you'd want to work with, anyone you'd want to work with. Yeah, and, that, and that's the point is if they can't meet that base criteria, and I think the humility was one of the ones that really stood out to me. And when you talk about humble being one of your key components to be an employee, think of that uh, prima donna that you work next to who didn't have time to talk to you because he was too busy worried about himself. And, and how do you 
label that beforehand? And how do you ask the questions to find out if that's what you're going to hire? Because at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but I really don't like finding new employees. I don't like searching out to replace someone. I don't like adding people because it takes a lot of time. So for me, I want to bring the right person in and then keep them. Yeah. And I want them to want to be there. And then we've got to, we've got to put that whole retention piece in and, you know, they're coming into the right culture, but uh, it's a, it's a, it's a huge topic. Nothing we could do justice in, you know, seven or eight minutes. But I think the biggest takeaway here is humble, hungry, and smart. And, and again, you, you talk about the challenge you have to find those qualities in any particular individual. And you say, how many do I have to go through to find all three in one? Yeah, well, and there's, and there's the key. And, and so often in the, in the business world, you know, I'll use automotive, us as the leader, we, we go in and we try and do it all. And the face that we see from an employee as a leader is so much different than the face that the people who work for you see. And, and so in, in, in our process, we do, we do multi-layered. So we, we bring in, we do a face to, well, we, right now we do a zoom or a phone call. Uh, we bring in for a face to face still, even in COVID, we put a mask on, we bring in for a face to face, uh, because I still got to see you, you know, I, and, and I, I don't care if, if we are supposed to bump hands or not, I still got to shake your hand. Cause if I can't shake your hand, I really, I don't get the feeling that I need. We can use hand, hand sanitizer afterward if we got to, but I got to shake your hand. Yeah. Um, and, and then we, we finalize that with a working interview. And, and the face-to-face interview should include your employees. The working interview, I am hands-on. Once we get to the working interview, I'm completely hands-on. Totally agree. Hey, w- would you come back? I mean, let's do a one-on-one on remarkable results. We just carve out 20 minutes and dive deep into this process of yours. All right. Thank you Love so much. You. In fact, that's what's been going on lately. We, we bring on these little tiny, if you will, boutique topics and i i learned so much the audience writes back and says we need to know more and so we just continue to rock the world of this great content library we have a fortune brian uh, would you would you like to find out what your fortune is for the week <laughs> how can you go wrong i know honest to god it's and it's free it's no charge here it is this whole thing broke away in my entire hand but here it is impossible standards just make life difficult well, that could be true in certain I cases. Like Impossible standards just make life difficult. If all you're focused on is great instead of just getting there sometimes, that's uh, analysis paralysis in some ways. All righty, let's move on. Uh, it is time for the tour. And if, I don't know about you, Brian, but I saw Emily in backstage here. Ah, there she's back. <laughs> Hello, Emily. Emily Sundstrom uh, from Valley uh, Automotive works uh, with Brian. Uh, by the way, Emily was on her own podcast with me, uh, episode uh, Tunnel Academy 103. We talked about ways to turn price shoppers into customers. So she is a podcast alumni, veteran of the show, and glad to, I'm, gl- I'm glad you're front and center giving us the tour. I'll let you take it away, my dear. All right. Well, Emily, oh, thank right. you. So I, I'm going to point out behind Emily, you see a couple of uh, garbage cans there. And uh, you'll notice oh. that is our sanitation station for uh, for checking cars in at this point in time, because every car that comes in, we ozone and 
we spray down and we wipe down before the customer gets it and before we give it back to the customer. You know, welcome to welcome to 2021, 2020 COVID. That's what we've got. So with that, Em, why don't you turn it around and let's look at the yard. We'll kind of, we'll start there and, and move on. We're on a fairly busy street. We've got, uh, we've got a, you know, I guess in, in non-COVID times, we've got a lot of cars passing by the shop every day, which, which is a nice thing to see. Uh-oh, I think we may have lost. Uh, okay, here we go. So if you, if you look out, we've got our main storage area out here. We've got a fence that we've had to put up. Again, uh, I talk about the COVID times as they are. Unfortunately, crime's gone way up. Uh, shop's been here 30 years, never had to have a fence. Uh, the last month, we had to spend about $15,000 and put a fence up to protect the property. So just it's just the it's just what's going on. So um, if you turn to your right, you're going to see we have our key drop area. Um, we have taken a little different approach with this. We no longer uh, well, we've got the key boxes and the key drop. We've taken a little bit different approach with COVID. Um, we don't let anyone in the lobby, and everything happens outside. We meet the customers out there sometimes, but most of the time we put your keys in a box and the paperwork at this point. You'll see that there's a little little button on the door so people know we're here. As you walk in, you can see this is our main entryway. Um, there's Audrey. She's checking cars in right now. Um, fairly comfortable area. You can see, uh, again, I, I hate to keep talking about COVID, but we've got the main sign for our shop uh, behind the couch over there. Um, it's been 90 days that it's been sitting there because I can't get a company to come out and hang. It's amazing to think that. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. Uh, but but you can see comfortable area. Uh, we try to make it plush. Um, obviously, it's not of much use right now. But uh, hopefully, we're back to hopefully we're back to some some normalcy here before 2021 is over. Uh, we've got two different work areas. One you'll see right there. We're looking at Angie. She does uh, a lot of our parts control. She does uh, loaner car. She really takes care of a lot of the peripherals. Um, and then we've got Emily and Audrey who work at these two stations here. Um, you'll also notice there's really no separation. Uh, we don't have those the, the plastic pieces up in front of them. It's because we don't have customers in here. So I guess we can we can kind of move on from there over to here's my office um, when I'm on site. Uh, just maybe a quick peek in there. Hopefully I have I've got everything picked up. Um, you know that's the they always I always joke and say I've got more monitors in there than uh, we we possibly need. So so it gets it done. <clears throat> and as you make your way out here. Um, simple customer bathroom. You can you can see the remains of a water fountain that uh, we're in process of replacing, but we we keep it clean, you know, and that's and that's the intent. This is the uh, the dirty area of the shop, as I would call it. Um, you've got a secondary bathroom for the technicians for staff generally, um, and of course an area to wash your hands and and clean up in between. So here's here's where the work happens. Here's where the production is. And I think Emily's going to take us over to, this is our, our base area right here. Everything we do is paperless within the shop. Um, so you have to have kind of, as I would say, a main hub. Um, it's kind of kind of fogging out right there. But we have the prioritization screen up. And we've also got metrics. Uh, we use this particular spot in the shop to do our daily shop meeting. We talk about where we are for numbers, where we are for production. We talk about where each technician is in that in that goal set, and and we really use this as a team building event on a daily basis. Um, and and everybody kind of has their own piece, whether it be safety, whether it be facilities, um, whether it be you know the actual management of what's going on. But 
everybody's responsible for something. Hey, Brian, let me ask you a question on those shelves that are below that counter. Are they allocated to tech, to a bay, to a job? The parts that are in these shelves are all return parts. So this would be, well, and I should preface that with, they're either just received or they're just going back. Okay. That's all that this is the, this is the delivery station. Once we go around the corner, I'm going to, well, let's, let's try. I know we had some issues here before, but this is where the technician side of it happens. Um, so each, each technician has their own space right in here. Okay. And that's where they, that's where they pull their parts from. Okay. And, and, you know, Em, if you want to pick up, pan up maybe a little bit here, we can look at, this is our main parts storage area. Um, don't stock a lot, but, uh, you know, we got to hold chemicals and antifreeze, some oils in here, but most of our oils are going to be in bulk, which I'll show you in a minute. Um, we've got some batteries, obviously. Tool storage, you know, that's kind of kind of everything, bulbs and, of course, wire rack. Yeah, nice, clean, organized. It looks like you've got the bare minimum to keep uh, production flowing in the shop. Exactly. You know, you don't uh, you don't, you don't want to store more than you need. And and here is our here's our oil area. Um I found it I found it challenging to keep reels in in every bay and just because you've got too many options for for oil. So what we did here is we instead of instead of moving reels, we went to a a gravity discharge. Um again, kind of hard to tell from the picture, but uh one of my one of my pet peeves is that area needs to be clean. And you can see the you can see that the the jugs are there, you can see that all the all of the uh, funnels have a place to sit, so you're not dripping oil all over the place. And uh, you know, it's uh, at the at the end of the day, that's the messiest place in your whole shop. So I did everything I could to make sure that it wasn't a mess any longer, and that we could uh, we could have cleanliness. This is where the real production, you know, the heavy line, be it uh, engines, transmissions. Uh, Darren is my technician in the back here. He's the he's the guy that's in charge of all of this, and. Uh, you can see we've got exhaust bending equipment. Um, don't do a lot of that. Um, of course, we've got a, a project car there that uh, needs to needs to get finished and out of here. As she walks back, you're going to see our employee break room back here. Um, okay. We do a lot of we do a lot of barbecue here. Uh, you'll see a big green egg. I'm kind of a kind of a, a crazy man when it comes to to barbecue. We've got a ten by twenty tent to put outside. You've got your fridge. You've got your decent sink. Um, you know, we, we really do try and spend time with food, um, within, within this business, nobody goes hungry and that's, that's a, and that's a big piece. So, you know, I think it, I think it just, it builds, it, it builds a lot of teamwork again when you, when you eat together, when you talk together, when you, when you spend that time. How Brian? big is the place, Brian? Um, total square footage, a little under 8,000 square feet. 8,000 and how many bays, lifts? Nine, nine lifts. Um, there's kind of a, kind of a half base. You could say nine and a half, I'd say. You couldn't really put a lift in that final spot. And you'll notice as we're going by, every technician's toolbox uh, has got two monitors, except for my heavy my heavy guy in the back. He's the only one who's got a single monitor, Darren. Uh, Did we see that, uh, that, that nerve center, that NORAD nerve center? We're coming up. That's okay. going to be the grand finale. Okay. You know? and, and again, you, you can see same thing here. We've got uh, everybody's, everybody's well prepared. And that's that's the big thing. But you got to remember too, we have no paperwork in the shop. It's all electronic, so you've got to have a good way, a good means of communication. And Ian, here is our here is our drivability diagnostics technician. Um, and we and we do things maybe a little differently too. All of our guys 
kind of specialize in a specific area. Now, you'll notice his area, he's got a screen pretty much for every task that he does. This is mm-hmm. by no means our shop uh, our shop push. This is a, a him thing, but we're happy to support it, and it works for him. That's NORAD, and that's six fabulous screens. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and the crazy part is he uses them all, so I, I really have to. I, I got to give him some credit there. But uh, it looks to me, it looks great. Hey, uh, any final words? This was great, Emily. Thank you so much for doing this tour. There was a question that came in, Brian, from Mike Dela Cruz. I've seen many shop owners hiring folks who came from outside of the industry, example, retail stores, and have actually seen a lot of success. What's been your experience with that? And do you see that hiring strategy continuing to grow? In honesty, I don't really care where you came from. Um, I, I think with the exception of our, our really seasoned veteran technicians, everybody has come from outside of industry for me. And it, it comes back down to the person. You know, I'm hiring the person we will train to the position. And so for me, yeah, I, I think we're, we're crazy if we don't hire for the person. Because at the end of the day, it's the person, not their skill set, that truly serves you. They will build the skill set over time. So I, I, I fully believe that you're going to take the people, you're going to take them from wherever they come, and you're going to look for good people. And that's, and that's the heartbeat of it all. Well, thank you so much to Brian Kelly and Emily Sundstrom for this great tour. Hey, let's go back to the trivia, guys. Let me see if anyone may know the answer. Which model was one of Oldsmobile's most successful? Well, the answer is the Cutlass. The Cutlass was one of the most successful. Did you figure that out, Emily? I was going to guess the 442. The Cutlass was one of the most successful models for the brand. The iconic car had six generations that were produced for about 30 years, making it a classic. Guys, um, when I met my wife, she had a Cutlass Supreme corduroy red interior, and under the hood was a 455 four-barrel. And uh, to this day, my wife loves her speed in a car. <laughs> so she, did that car ever go? And it was just just a beautiful car. So, Carm, one, uh, one, one last thing that came into my mind as I, uh, as I thought about this, one thing that we do a little bit differently in our shop that you may notice is we play to our employees' strengths. So you'll notice each work area is a little bit different because it's suited to what they do best and how they do best. And we try not to... We try not to create a single mold for everybody that just puts you in a box. And I, I think that's a really important piece. So just something I wanted to add. I, I noticed. I noticed it, it was not cookie cutter for sure. And it, no doubt, man, talk about enjoying the work environment that you work in because you, you, you allow them to do that. Well, uh, Brian Kelly, Emily Sundstrom from Valley Automotive uh, in Covington, Washington. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you doing this great contribution to the Automotive Aftermarket and Aftermarket Weekly uh, com. We do it every Tuesday at noon live. Watch all the repurposed shows. And thank you all for your support and your loyalty to all the podcasts.